You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Uh, Genesis 41 is where we're going to be. Um, uh, please turn there, and we're going we're we're to stand in just a moment, but... We're going to be in our series on Genesis uh, this in studying. We've been studying the life of Joseph, and uh, we had a great devotion this morning. Um, Brother, Brother Ken Austin even uh, gave a devotion to men's prayer meeting. And let me just give you a plug. I, I mean, I, I'm not, I wanted men's prayer meeting to be something that men come to because it's, it's, it's what they ought to do, not because they're forced to do it or feel guilty about doing it. Um, but, but I'm telling you, if, if you haven't been coming to men's prayer meeting, it's a great time. You have fellowship, and uh, you hear truth from God's word, and, uh, and you, you get to fellowship with the guys, and there's a breakfast even involved. Um, let me encourage you, 745 on Sunday mornings, to, to you if you want to come. And, and it's a different kind of service, uh, but honestly, it may be the most personal service in some ways that we have here at Eastside Baptist. And so I want to encourage you to come and be a part of that. And so, uh, but Brother Ken gave a devotion this morning on Joseph, which we've been in Joseph, uh, Joseph's life for a few weeks now. And um, hey, Brother Sammy, it might be in the back room in there. I think he's still looking. Um, so, um, but uh, it, we've been uh, in the book of Genesis studying the life of, of Joseph. And uh, what a godly young man this man was. Uh, consistent, diligent. He embraced God's revealed will for his life, and he let that drive him in every decision he made. We were talking about that this morning. He was so consistent because he let the Lord be his standard for right and wrong, and God never changes. And so because God never changes, then, then Joseph, in any situation, no matter who was watching, uh, he always did what was right because the Lord never changes, and that was his standard. And I'm thankful for that. Last week we looked at how even in prison Joseph was uh, was consistently looking out for the needs of other people. Thank you very much. And uh, and and you know with the butler and the baker and uh, how these two men were in prison with Joseph and and uh, Joseph saw the, their need even in prison. You know, I think it's very interesting that he walked in and and saw them and said he saw they were they're sad. Well, of course they're sad. They're in prison. Yet Joseph had enough insight to know that their sadness went beyond the normal sadness. That's how tuned in he was to people's lives. And last week we looked at the thought that Joseph didn't see the flaws. He saw opportunities. And now very often in our lives we focus on the flaws and we miss the opportunities. And yet there are opportunities around us even in the flaws. And we need to focus on other people. We looked at that last week. Um, so today, if you're able, we're going to be in Genesis 41, and we're going to be standing to read this chapter, Genesis 41. We'll read, it'll be a fairly lengthy portion again, and, uh, and so rather than read the whole chapter, we're going to split it up and focus on the first 37 verses. That's actually shortening the chapter for you today, okay? So it could be much longer, but we'll focus on the first 37 verses, and uh, we'll actually skip a few in the middle that are a bit redundant, um, just, just so that we can move forward here. Genesis chapter 41, verse 1, and, and don't forget, this is after the butler uh, has been restored to his position 
after Joseph interpreted his dream and the butler forgot about Joseph. For two years longer than Joseph should have been, he sits in prison because the butler forgot about him. And so let's begin reading in verse 1. It says, Genesis 41, And it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed, and behold, he stood by the river. And behold, there came up out of the river seven well-favored kind, those are cows, and fat flesh. So these are healthy cows, healthy cattle, and they fed in a meadow. And behold, seven other kind came up after them. Seven other cows came up after them out of the river, ill-favored and lean flesh. So these are skinny, these are unhealthy, and they stood by the other kind upon the brink of the river. And the ill-favored and lean-fleshed kind did eat up the seven well-favored and fat kind. So these skinny cows eat the well-fed cows. They eat them up. These are cannibalistic cows. And if you have a dream like that, you might do what Pharaoh does. It says, so Pharaoh awoke. And he slept and dreamed the second time, and behold, seven ears of corn came up upon some stalk, rank and good. These are good ears of corn, like what you might find around here, uh, here coming up this, this time of year. And behold, seven thin ears, and blasted with the east wind sprung up after them. And the seven thin ears devoured the seven rank and full ears. And Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. And it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all the wise men thereof and Pharaoh told them his dream but there was none that could interpret them unto Pharaoh. So it bothers him so much and he knows this isn't just a normal dream. These are, there's something about these dreams that is of a deeper nature than just bad pizza. His spirit was troubled. And he, so he calls his magicians and he, he asks them, like these are his wise men, his magicians, and, and, and they don't serve our God. Um, and, and so he calls them to interpret the dream and they can't do it. So then spake, verse 9, the light bulb goes off in the chief butler's mind. Then spake the chief butler unto Pharaoh, saying, I do remember my faults this day. You should. You forgot your friend. Pharaoh was wroth with his servants and put me and ward in the captain of the guard's house, both me and the chief baker. And he's relaying this to Pharaoh. And we dreamed a dream in one night, I and he. We dreamed each other or each man according to the interpretation of his dream. And there was there with us a young man, an Hebrew servant to the captain of the guard. And we told him and he interpreted to us our dreams. To each man according to his dream he did interpret. And it came to pass, as he interpreted to us, so it was. So what he said came to pass. Me he restored unto mine office, and him he hanged. I, I got the better end of that deal. I got my job back. The baker, though, was, was executed. Verse 14. Then Pharaoh sent and hastily, sorry, sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon... And he shaved himself and changed his raiment and came in unto Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream and there is none that can interpret it. And I have heard say of thee that, that thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, 
one of the great answers in all the Bible, saying, it is not in me, God. It is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. And so Pharaoh relays his dream, and we've already read the dream about the cows and the corn. Look down in verse 25. And Joseph said unto Pharaoh, the dream of Pharaoh is one. God has showed Pharaoh what he is about to do. This is going to happen. The seven good kind are seven years, and the seven good ears are seven years. The dream is one. They're, they're the same thing, just two different dreams. And the seventh thin and ill-favored kind came up after them are seven years. And the seven empty ears blasted with the east wind shall be seven years of famine. So this is the thing which I have spoken unto Pharaoh. What God is about to do, he showeth unto Pharaoh. God has spoken. God is going to do this. Behold, there come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt. And there shall arise after them, those seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. And all the plenty shall be forgotten in the land of Egypt. And the famine shall consume the land. And the plenty shall not be known in the land by reason of that famine following, for it shall be very grievous. And for that, the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice. It is because the thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. Now therefore, let Pharaoh look out a man, discreet and wise, and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this, and let him appoint officers over the land... And take up the fifth part of the land of Egypt in the seven plentieth years. And let them gather all the food of those good years that come. And lay up corn under the hand of Pharaoh. And let them keep food in the cities. And that food shall be for storm to the land against the seven years of famine. Which shall be in the land of Egypt. That the land perish not through the famine. And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh. And in the eyes of all his servants. This is quite the story, and, and I mean, we've already been standing, but God reveals himself to Pharaoh. This is such mercy on God's part. He says, this is what I'm going to do. I have spoken. This is going to happen. This plan is already in place. What God says cannot be undone. He's already spoken. See, the question, though, for Pharaoh, and the question for us, too, is not... Will God be sovereign? Because he is. No, the question is, will we be submissive to what he has spoken? See, the success or failure of your life and my life is dependent on how you submit to what the sovereign has spoken. See, God has a plan and you cannot change it, but you can submit and be blessed as a result. The title today is Submission to the Sovereign, and I hope that you have come today willing to submit yourself to a sovereign God. Thank you. You may be seated. May God bless the reading of his word. Right now, my wife is in Oklahoma City, and uh, she's with our two oldest, and Caitlin as well. Our two oldest are, are going to, to college, they're going to Bible college down in Oklahoma City, and uh, this is Olivia's third year. It's Audrey's first year. And, and so um, I've spent some time since Thursday with Lacey and Jace. And 
For those of you that don't know, Lacey is my 13-year-old, our youngest daughter, and Jace is our 9-year-old son, and uh, so we've been hanging out a lot, and we were hanging out on Thursday night, and uh, I took them to a place here in Sioux Falls called, um, I think it's called Sub-Zero Desserts, okay? Has anybody been to Sub-Zero? All right, just a few of us, okay? Sub-Zero is basically, it's a trailer, it's a, a, a train car, basically, or a a semi-trailer um, that's been turned into something of a food truck. And, and they serve ice cream and, and cold desserts and things like that. And, and if you've never been, you ought to try it sometime. But um, what they do is they take the ice cream batter. So it's kind of, I don't know if batter is the right word. It's ice cream in liquid form. And they, 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 so you, you place your order, you say what you want. And they take the ice cream in liquid form and they pour it on this very cold plate and that ice cream starts to harden right away it starts to turn into ice cream but it's a real thin layer so then they cut it into strips and then they take a spatula and by the way they also then put all the all the toppings that you want they put it on the top of it while it's freezing so it's like fresh made ice cream okay so then they take a spatula and they roll it into strips that looks like little carpet rolls okay um, and then they put it vertically in a cup and you get four or five of these ice cream it's ice cream rolled ice cream they call it and it's it's fresh it's good it's a it's a novelty and and so we went and we all really liked it and had a good time and and so we were talking about um, going back um, and I was thinking well you know it's a it, I have the kids for a few days let's go back you know at some point well yesterday we heard that Sub-Zero is closing today. Today's the last day before winter comes. And I was like, what is Milky Way, what kind of impact is Milky Way having? <laughs> you know, uh, because to, in my opinion, ice cream is a year-round sport. Like, why is ice cream only supposed to be eaten when it's hot? I mean, I don't know if any of you, you think even when it's cold, you're like, I kind of want some ice cream. I, yeah, some of us weird ones are thinking that way. And I was thinking about, so I was thinking about Sub-Zero, and I was thinking about Milky Way, and, and I was thinking about this, this trend that's, that they're setting, and, and I think it's dangerous. You know, we... We need to be careful, like we're on shaky ground here. Where are we going to get our ice cream in the winter? You know, that, that they're, they're, they're looking ahead to winter and they're saying, winter's coming, we better close things up. Winter's closing, we better shut down and, and move along to something else. And it made me think, and I was talking to somebody just before uh, the service, and, uh, you know, not to use them as an example, we have first time I guess this morning that just moved up here from Florida. And I was like, you moved here for the winter. You're doing it backwards. <laughs> and they don't seem to be bothered by it. They're uh, from here. And so sorry to use it as an example, but it, fit, it fits today. So thank you. But, you know, I was thinking about winter and I'm thinking about winter coming. And, and Jace even was asking me, he was like, so, J Dad, do you think this is the last nice day of the year? And I was like, what? We have at least two more weeks, you know? I mean, so, 
You know, just thinking about winter coming. And, you know, here's the truth. When you live in Sioux Falls, and this will this only be, we haven't been here very many winters, but when you live in South Dakota, when it comes to winter, ready or not, here it comes. It's coming. And you can't avoid wintertime. Now, unless you're a snowbird, then maybe you could avoid it. But, but we don't get to avoid wintertime. You can't come up with a plan to miss the cold weather if you live in Sioux Falls. You don't, you don't get to um, come up with a way to not go outside while snow is on the ground. I mean, you can't do that. See, red or you're not, winter is coming, and you can't change that. So you can do one of two things. You can either dread it and have a, a spirit about it that, that, mean, that means you're full of anxiety and, and, and you're full of care and, and it, you're worried and, and you're not looking forward to it. You can either dread it or... You can embrace it because that's where we live. So you have some people, winter's coming and they're depressed and, you know, and they're thinking about the cold months. And then you've got some people that are like, yes, let's get the snowmobile ready. Or the, I'm sorry, the sled. Let's get the sled ready. I want to say the right term. <laughs> let's get ready to go out to the hills. Let's get ready to, to, to be out in the snow. You've got these two mindsets. You see, the thing is, you can't avoid the winter, but you can say, I'm going to make the best of it. You can't avoid what's coming, but you can say, I'm going to have a good attitude no matter what. You see, in, in some ways, that's what Pharaoh is, is having to deal with in Genesis chapter 41. See, in, in his mind, something bad is coming. And he could, get, he, he could be angry that something is happening. And he could lose, lose hope and he could get desperate and he could reject what God is saying. Uh, but that doesn't change the fact that it's still coming. Or he could say, you know what, I know it's coming and I'm going to make the best of this. That's the choice that Pharaoh has. He's coming face to face and he's realizing in this moment that, that he, there are things he can't control. And see, that's, that's interesting for a guy like Pharaoh who's been told his whole life that he's a god. He's been told his whole life that he's divine, that he should be worshipped, and yet he's coming face to face with a situation that he has no control of. And see, there's a very important lesson that Pharaoh's learning, and that is this, and I heard somebody say this, it's not original, um, but it makes sense that there is one God and Pharaoh isn't him. See, we need to know that too. And there was one God, and it's not me. See, God is sovereign, and he's in control, and he has dominion, and he has authority. He is creator, and he is ruler. The Bible says, but our God is in the heaven. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. There's one throne, and God sits on it. And we're just along for the ride and we can question things all we want and we can be angry about things all we want. But if he's sovereign, he has the right to, to operate as he chooses. See, we can either reject him and get angry or we can submit and be blessed. And I want you to get that today. You can either be angry and reject what God says or you could, be, or you could submit to it and be blessed. See, listen, either way, the sovereign God has a plan. 
Either way, what he says is going to happen. And you could get angry and you could reject it. Or you could simply say, you know what? If God has said it, I will submit. Joseph has learned to do that. Now, he could have been angry. Listen, if anybody had a right to be angry, isn't it Joseph? If anybody had a right to be upset about how life is gone, that Joseph is that guy. But by accepting that God was in control and God's promises are still valid and God is still working, it frees Joseph up to just continue to operate as if God's plan is still coming. And I'm not going to get angry. I'm not going to reject it. I'm going to accept what's happening to me. I'm going to submit to it. And I believe that God will bless me for it. And we see God beginning to bless this young man. Here's Joseph, a 30-year-old slave. A 30-year-old Hebrew prisoner. And he's got answers that even Pharaoh's magicians don't have. This no-name slave stands before the most powerful man in the whole world and interprets his dreams and, and boldly interprets his dreams in a risky way that you might think it's risky to do that. Well, look at that. But, you know, Pharaoh would have, considered, would have been considered a god and, and, and he would have learned that label proudly and he held the matters of life and death in his hands and what he said goes he thought he was the sovereign and yet this situation comes along and reminds him that there is one God and it's not Pharaoh and he comes face to face with his own limitations and God gives him a dream and have you ever had a dream that woke you up I was talking to brother Mark Griebel this morning I'm thankful I mean I got all kinds of illustrations coming at me about this Story. Brother Mark came in. He said, Pastor, I just wanted to tell you, I dreamed this morning that we came in and there was something wrong with the lights in the sanctuary and, and we couldn't turn the lights on. And he's like, and I came up to you and I was like, sorry, Pastor, there's no lights for the service. And I was just imagining myself with my iPhone up here, like reading my notes, you know, talking to you like that. And, and, and he, he, was, he had his dream and it woke him up. And, and, I was, and I've had plenty of dreams like that before. I, when I was a kid, I used to have a dream, um, this recurring nightmare. I, I would have a dream that I was in a warehouse and there was a guy with a mask chasing me. Anybody have a recurring nightmare like that or am I the only one? Okay. And it, listen, it would wake me up and I wouldn't be able to go to sleep for a long time. Well, Pharaoh has one of those uh, I'm not going back to sleep kind of dreams. Now, not just one, actually. The Bible says that he has two, these two dreams, and that he's not going back to sleep. And he goes to his sorcerers and his magicians, and he tells them to interpret these dreams. And he says, and I, we've already read it, and the dream, the first dream is, is a, there's the Nile River, and the Nile River was the source of life there in Egypt. And out of the river comes these seven well-fed cows, and and, and they come up, and, and then these seven lean, skinny, I mean, skin and bones cows come up out of the river after them. And, and later in the chapter, he describes these cows in verse 19. As, he says, these are cows such as I never saw in all the land of Egypt for badness. I mean, that's a good way to describe it. He says, these are the worst cows I've ever seen. These seven ill-favored worst cows I've ever seen. They go up to their, their well-fed counterparts and they eat them. And after they eat them, they look no different. So they're cannibal cows with good metabolism, apparently, even. Because they eat and, and there's no change. And, and listen, don't you just hate people like that? 
Okay, I'm not going to get into that. But So these seven healthy cows are eaten up by seven skinny cows. And, and, and Pharaoh wakes up and, and he's trying to figure out what's going on. And so he goes back to sleep. But then another dream comes. And now that seven fat uh, ears of corn, like, like the good candy corn that you might get it from around here. And it's sweet and tastes good. And, and though right after the seven ears of corn that are healthy, these seven skinny ears of corn come and, and you know like the tiny baby corn you know the little ones and they come and they eat the good corn so Pharaoh wakes up again and this time though it doesn't seem like he can go back to sleep he knows something's going on he knows there's there's too many connections here so he calls his magicians and his wise men and these men would have been into witchcraft they would have been into black magic they didn't serve Joseph's God they don't serve our they didn't serve our God so they come and they search their books, their, their books of sorcery, and they have no ideas. There's no, there's no template for this. So Pharaoh, he knew this, just, this wasn't just a normal dream, and this is significant. And so he's not content with no answer. So while all this is going on, the butler's in the background. You know, and the butler, his responsibility is to keep the king's cup full. He's the cupbearer. So he's listening and he's in the courtroom or he's in the palace and he's listening to what's going on and, 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 and he suddenly he remembers in, in a move that really could only be arranged by the sovereign hand of God. The butler remembers Joseph and they say better late than never but Joseph spent two years in prison because the butler has bad memory. And you say, well how unfair is that? I mean, two extra years in prison when the butler, all he had to do was go tell Pharaoh, hey, listen, this guy can interpret dreams and he'll help. I mean, he's a good guy. You should bring him up. And, and yet I'm thinking, what if that had happened two years before? What if Pharaoh had brought Joseph up out of the prison because he hears all these things about him, but he doesn't really have a reason to use Joseph? He doesn't have any dreams right now. So I would imagine then he brings him up and then Joseph gets sent off to serve somewhere else. And listen, if that had been the case, Joseph wouldn't have been in the exact right place at the exact right time to interpret the dream for Pharaoh. So listen, yes, I know the butler for God and we may be upset at him by, about that, but God uses that too. Isn't it amazing how even in the weird circumstances and the tough circumstances that God can use those to still have you exactly where you're supposed to be? So Butler forgets, but then he remembers and he tells the Pharaoh, hey, remember back, way back when, two years ago, when you, you put me in the baker in prison? Uh, and, and, and there was a guy there, a Hebrew slave. He wasn't very old, and, and yet uh, he was, a, I mean, I'm telling you, this guy was sharp. And he interpreted my dream, and exactly what he said came to pass. And and. And so he says, I, I recommend that maybe this guy can help you. So when Pharaoh hears that, he wastes no time. In verse 14, the way that it, it reads, again, look at it. It says the Pharaoh sent and called Joseph and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon. And that word brought him hastily means they ran him out of prison. So they, they run into prison. At least they, they literally run down to the prison cell Joseph's in. 
They shave him real fast because the Egyptians were clean shaven. They give him new clothing. They clean him up and they run him out. Kind of like, you know, when you sleep past your alarm. I mean, I did that on my first day of college. I was all excited, moved in, ready to go. And seven, I had a 7.30 class. At 7.20, my upperclassmen roommates were finally like, hey, Jason, you should get up. So, un-ironed shirt, no shower, couple tic-tacs, good to go, right? <laughs> I think I made it, actually, by the way, which was a miracle. But you've been there before, right, where, where, where you, you miss your alarm and you're rushing around just trying to scramble and get ready. But isn't that how life works sometimes? You see, you wait and you wait and you wait for 13 years. Joseph has done nothing but wait. And now suddenly everything happens all at once. See, the danger in that is that you've been prepared for so long and nothing happens. And when it's finally time for something to happen, now you're not ready for it. See, Joseph, though, that wasn't an issue for him. He was ready. So they rush him out and they bring him up to, the, to before Pharaoh. They, you know, he's clean shaven. He's got new clothes. And now after 13 years of waiting and maybe, who knows, 30 minutes of getting ready, here he stands before the most powerful man in the whole world. And Pharaoh says, I've dreamed a dream and none of these slackers can interpret it. That's the way I interpret it. You know, when he says it, he's giving his guys the evil eye. Like, this guy better help me or you guys are in big trouble. He said, I heard you can help me. And I love his answer. Remember this whole time, he's been focused on God. <laughs> Joseph has remembered God's word. He's remembered God's promises. It's all about God this whole time. And that's how he survived in the lowest moments. And it's no different in this moment. He says, it's not me that can help you. But I know somebody that can. And his name is God. And now remember, this is Pharaoh. He is a God in his own mind. He has a God complex. They, they think he's all powerful. They, they, they think that he's immortal, that he's worthy of being worshipped. And, and when he says, listen, I can't do this, but the real God can help you. Now that's dangerous. That's a dangerous thing to say to Pharaoh who thinks he's God. Uh, I've got no, I can't help you. But, but the real God can. And listen, you know what? It would have been a temptation for Joseph to give a watered-down answer. Uh, it, it, he doesn't want to go back to prison. He doesn't want to offend Pharaoh. But, but what we see here is that his answer reveals he's still making this about God. It's still all about God. And he says, if it's about God, I'm not going to change who I am. It doesn't matter if I'm in front of Potiphar's wife. It doesn't matter if I'm in front of the butler and the baker. It doesn't matter if I'm in front of Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the whole world. I'm not changing who I am. I'm going to give him the answer that I know God will want him to have. And he tells him the truth. Listen, it could have been the temptation for Joseph to, to, walk, to beat around the bush. But listen, when you make it about God, he extends grace. Listen don't, uh, listen, don't be afraid to answer with truth. Now, I'm not saying be mean about it. I'm not saying uh, be angry or be vicious about it. But, but listen, this world needs a dose of truth. And where is it going to come from if not from God's people? 
So be bold about the truth. Don't be afraid to state the truth. Truth is what's going to make us free. Joseph is just making it, he's making it about the Lord and his truth. So he tells him that his, uh, he gives the interpretation. And Joseph answers in verse 25 and he says, basically, the dream is one. These, these are two dreams, yes, but they mean the same thing. God is showing you, I love this, God is showing you what he's about to do. And don't, don't miss that because we're about to come to, to the application. But here's what I, I want you to get here is that God, what Joseph is saying is, Pharaoh, God, God has spoken. God has spoken. And what he has spoken, this is a, this is a glimpse into what God is about to do. And he says, and listen, Pharaoh, when God has spoken, you can't change it. What God has said, you can't ignore it. What God has said, you can't go around it. What God has said, you can't fight against it. What God has said, you aren't going to be the exception to this. This is going to happen. The seven good, the seven good cows and the seven good ears of corn means that there's going to be seven years of plenty. I mean, bumper crops for seven years. But the seven skinny cows and the seven bad ears of corn mean that right after the seven years of feast, there's going to be seven years of famine. You had two dreams with the same meaning because it's God telling you this is going to happen. It's doubled because you can count on this. It's as good as done. You cannot escape it. Once God has said it, his word will stand. And I'm thankful that God has mercy to even tell Pharaoh what's going to happen. But listen, it's not about Pharaoh, it's about Israel. See, he's about to preserve his people and he's going to use Pharaoh and Egypt to do it. But Joseph then, after he gives the, the interpretation, he gives his advice. And this is unsolicited, by the way. Brother Ken mentioned that this morning too. He comes up, he says, listen, there's going to be seven years of feast, seven years of bumper crops, then seven years of famine. And he says, here's what you need to do. You need to look out, I'll read it, verse 33. He says, um, he says, now therefore let Pharaoh look out a man discreet and wise and set him over the land of Egypt. Now listen, I don't believe that Joseph was like, let him look out a young man discreet and wise and set him over a project. Now I believe he's just telling him the truth. And what insight Joseph has. I mean, it's like he, he, it's like he has a master's degree in business, but he's been in prison for 13 years because God's blessed him. So he gives his advice, point a man out, appoint him to take, oversee this project. And basically then he says, let Pharaoh do this, verse 34. Let him appoint officers over the land and take up the fifth part of the land of Egypt in the seven plentieth years. What he's saying is for the seven years that things are going really good, take 20% of what you, what you, what you uh, the bumper crops, take 20% of that and store it. Every year, take 20% and store it. 20%, one-fifth, and store it. And let them, verse 35, gather all the food of those good years that come. Lay up corn under the hand of Pharaoh. Let them keep food in the cities. And that food shall be for store to the land against the seven years of famine. You know what Joseph is saying here? He's saying, you need an emergency fund. Right, you know, Dave Ramsey, right? Baby step number one and baby step number three. 
You need a $1,000 emergency fund, and then you need a three to six months of expenses, I think is what it is. Baby steps one and three. Dave Ramsey would approve of Joseph's advice right here. You need an emergency fund. Because what you need and what we need to learn is that when things are good, you need to save. Because, that, because there will come a day when things are tight. And you better have some savings. It's good advice for all of us here today, but, but we're not going to go into finance class today. Think about it, though. Pharaoh's considered a god. Okay, here we go. Pharaoh's considered a god, but the future of Egypt was not his, in his control. So he has a choice in this moment. He could either say, no, I'm Pharaoh, I'm God, I sit on the throne, I do what I want, and I'm not listening to you, we're going to just operate business as usual. No, he doesn't say that. No, the Bible says that he saw the plan, he heard the plan, he said, man, this is a good idea. And we find out later, he appoints Joseph, big surprise, he appoints Joseph over over the project. But what I want you to do is put yourself in a place of Pharaoh. See, there is one God and it's not Pharaoh. There's one God and it's not you. See, but when the word of the real God comes along, Pharaoh recognizes he can't do anything to avoid it. He can't fight against it. He can't go around it. He won't be the exception. God has spoken. And when God speaks, what God says is going to come to pass. And here's where we see the lesson is that Pharaoh couldn't change the word. He couldn't alter the weather. He couldn't avoid the famine. He couldn't change one thing about the future. But one thing he could do is he could submit. See, he couldn't make sure that what he did was in line with what God was going to do. It took real deference to accept the advice of a slave. It wasn't anything for Joseph to trust God. He's a believer. But here's an unbeliever, and he's submitting himself to what God has spoken in his life. And we're going to find out later that God blessed him immensely because of his willingness to submit to what the sovereign has spoken. See, here's the thing. We have God's revelation. We have God's word. What God has spoken is as good as done. He's never wrong. He rules the universe. And what he says goes always. But here's the thing. You can either be upset and reject it or you could submit to it and be blessed. You can't change it, you can't avoid it, you can't ignore it. What God has said will come to pass and we can either get mad and it still happens. Winter's still coming. Or we can submit and be blessed. Listen, the sovereign God has spoken. Have you submitted to what he has spoken to you in his word? Are you listening? See, our our blessings are are dependent on our submission to what the sovereign has spoken. I'm going to say that again because that's the idea today is our blessings are dependent on our submission to what the sovereign God has spoken. Your future is dependent on how you submit to what the sovereign God has spoken. You want to be blessed? Submit to what the sovereign has spoken. You want to survive the famines of life? Submit to what the sovereign God has spoken. You want, to, you want the success of your life to be something that God looks at and is pleased about? Submit to the, what the sovereign God has spoken. What has he spoken about, though? 
well, just every matter that pertains to life and godliness. Listen, if it's important, his word speaks to it. I'm just going to give you some applications. Did you know that his word speaks about marriage? And it says, if you want a blessed marriage, read Ephesians 5. And it talks about the role of the man and the role of the woman. And the man is supposed to love his wife like Christ loved the church. And the woman is supposed to submit to her her husband as to the Lord. It's not that one has a lesser role than the other. Both of them are submitting to a role. The man submits to God's role for him. The woman submits to God's role for her. And if if a marriage will build their lives on what God has spoken, then he will bless your marriage. He has spoken about your marriage. Listen, whether or not you are blessed is dependent on whether or not you submit to what the sovereign God has spoken. He has spoken about being a parent, raising kids. A lot of times parents think, well, you know, we're just playing it by ear. You don't have to. Like there is a plan. There is a blueprint. The sovereign God has spoken about how to raise your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, the teaching and the training, and, and about not sparing the rod because you love your child and you so you chasten your child, not because you're mean, but because you love them and you want them to see the error of their way so that they will turn to God. Listen, the God, the sovereign God has spoken about parenting and whether or not you're blessed depends on if you submit to what he has spoken. I think about the trials of life. That's what Joseph was going through. The sovereign God has spoken about how to endure hardships. You know, you can't avoid hardships. But like James says, though, the trying of your faith worketh patience. Let patience have her perfect work. See, a lot of people fight against the trials and they don't want the trials. But what we don't realize is that the trials are meant to mature us into what we're supposed to be. So here's what God has spoken about trials. He says, be a student, not a victim. Life is full of tests. And if you play the victim, you'll never learn anything. But if you act as a student, he will teach you what you need to take you from one step to the next. He has spoken about how to deal with trials. And maybe you've come this morning and you're dealing with a trial. And listen, you've come face to face like Pharaoh with something that has exposed your limitations. But let me just tell you today, you can turn to a God that has no limitations. We have limited time, and we have limited power, and we have limited wisdom, we have limited money, we have limited resources, we have limited health, but we serve a God who has no limits, and he wants to help you. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Will you submit to what the unlimited sovereign God has spoken? Listen, the the most important application this morning is salvation. What does the Bible say? Well, the the prophet Ezekiel said, the soul that sinneth it shall die. See, here's what the, the, this is like Joseph standing in front of Pharaoh saying, these dreams mean, the fact that there's two of them means this is going to happen. So when when the prophet Ezekiel spoke the words of God, the soul that sinneth it shall die, you know what? It's going to happen. If you are a sinner, the Bible says all have sinned and the wages of sin is death. If you are a sinner, the Bible says that the consequence for your sin is death. And you know, I'm not saying that on a pedestal because guess what? I'm one too. 
We're all sinners and we all deserve the consequence of eternal separation from God in a place called hell. And I know that's not popular, but the sovereign God spoke about it, so we do. The sovereign God has spoken and he says that every soul that sinneth, it shall die. You will be separated from God forever in a place called hell. That's what you deserve. But God... See, in the same way that God spoke about sin, he spoke in a very tangible way when he sent his son Jesus Christ to die on a cross. And that was his way of speaking again and saying, yes, you deserve to die. And yes, you deserve to be separated from me. But I love you so much. I want to send my son to die on, the, on a cross in your place so that you don't have to die. He'll pay for your sins and you can, by faith, repent of your sin, turn to him and he'll save you and you can spend eternity in heaven. Amen. What God has spoken well, you submit to it. You cannot change it. You can't avoid it. You can't run away from it. You can't ignore it. But if you'll submit to it this morning, he'll save your soul. Jesus died in your place. And all, you, all he asks of us is to repent of our sin and believe. By faith. Trust, place your trust in Jesus Christ and you can be saved this morning. The sovereign God has spoken it and all he's asking is for you to submit. But here, here's the issue. If some of us like Pharaoh, we're like, no, I sit on this throne. I mean, Pharaoh was the king. He was a god. And, you know, and that's how we are sometimes. You know, we, we, this, the picture of this is that this is our throne. This is our life. And, you know, and, and God is the one that deserves to sit here. But somewhere along the way, we bumped them off. And now we're sitting here. And this morning, this is a picture of somebody in this room. And about salvation specifically. But it could be about parenting, it could be about your marriage, it could be about your finances, it could be about some sin in your life that you haven't, haven't really gotten any control over. And so you're sitting in this throne right here and you're saying, no, I can handle this on my own. I'll figure this one out. Well, that's fine. You just stay sitting in that throne. You stay in that seat. But what God has spoken, you can't change. You can't avoid it. You can't run away from it. Listen, if you're a sinner this morning and you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you can't change the fact that you deserve to die and spend eternity separated from God. You can't change it. And if you, as long as you stay in this seat and you say, this is my throne, I'll figure it out myself, then there's nothing God can do for you. But listen, God has already done everything that you need him to. You know what, some of you in this room and some of us in this room, maybe there's an area of surrender in your life. There's an area of your life you've not submitted to God. You know you're holding on to it and you know you haven't given it to him, but you just don't want to give it up. So you're sitting in this seat right here. Do you know what we need to do this morning? If you're not saved, if you're not surrendered, if you've got sin in your life, if, you're, if you've got a mess at home, we need to say, you know what, there's one God and I'm not him. 
And we need to stand up and say, God, listen, you're the only one that can help this. I have no answers. I can't do anything about it. But I will submit to what a sovereign God has spoken. Because if I'll do that, you promise to bless us. You promise to bless me. And God, I can't fix this. But you can. So take your seat. And somebody in this room needs to submit something to the Lord. Whether salvation or a sin. A relationship. You know, here's the thing. You might say, I just don't think I can do it. Well, let me just tell you this. Did you know, let's fast forward in 10 years from when Pharaoh said, okay, I'll submit. 10 years later. So they've gone through seven years of bumper crops. Now they're, let's say they're three and a half years. They're halfway through the seven years of famine. And one day Pharaoh's walking around the buildings in Egypt, the storehouses. And he's looking in room after room full of corn still. You know what? Pharaoh's not thinking, boy, I really wish I would have just stayed in my seat. I really wish I would have just said, no, I'm not doing what you want. I'm in charge. No, I can tell you this. Ten years after Pharaoh submitted to God, he didn't regret his decision. And you're looking around this room right here. There's people in their lives. We've all come to like landmarks turning points and God has asked us to give up our seat and we finally did and I can tell you this looking around the room you know brother Ken I know you've submitted to God in some landmark decision in your life have you ever regretted it once you finally gave up your seat not once brother Charles you ever regretted submitting yourself to what the sovereign has spoken has it ever backfired on you I didn't think so brother Jim has it ever backfired Brother Juan, have you ever regretted submission? I mean, I mean we could go to every, everybody in every, at every corner of the room here. Brother Simon, have you, ever, have you ever regretted submitting to what God has asked you to do? Not once. In a room full of pharaohs. Every one of us have come to a point in our lives where God was asking us to submit. And when we did, none of us regret it. And I'm telling you, if you're holding on to something this morning and you're not sure you can let it go, can I tell you this? You won't regret it. When you submit to what the sovereign God has spoken, he always turns it into something better for you. Now, you may not see it right away. You may not fully understand it. But I'm telling you, if God is who he says he is, then we can trust his word. So what area of your life needs submission to the sovereign? Your plans? Young people, you've got your plans. College, young, young couples, you've got your own plans. Say, so I just don't really think I could submit to the sovereign. Oh, well, who better to direct your life than God? Your spiritual life? And you say, you know God has a plan for your spiritual life? You say, I'm just not growing. Well, you know what God's plan for growth is? It's a local church. And God's plan for you, edification and growth, read Ephesians 4, is the local church. He loved it enough to die for it. And you say, well, I just don't know how to grow and how my family, how we're going to get to where we're supposed to be. You know what you need? You need a church family. 
need to commit to something and, and plug in and watch God work in your family, in your life, and find out that, that you needed somebody else. This is God's plan. Some victory over a sin. You say, well, I, I just can't do it. Well, no, you can't without Jesus. But he has a plan for that too. Read Romans 6. He has spoken about victory over sin and he makes it available to you. Listen, what area of your life needs submission to the sovereign? If a sovereign God has spoken and you submit, I can tell you this, you won't regret it. Instead of regret though, you will, what you will find is relief. Oh, finally. I can finally rest. I don't have to hold on anymore. I can finally rest in my submission to the sovereign. Because listen, when you submit to the sovereign, then you're not the one that has to call the shots. You're not the one that has to carry the burdens. You're not the one that one has to figure out all the answers. No, you can just submit and rest. You want rest this morning? It's time to give up your seat. Submit to the sovereign. It's the best option you have. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm going to ask this question. Anybody in here this morning, you say, I know that I'm saved. I know I'm on my way to heaven this morning. And raise your hand. Just real quick, raise your hand all around the room. Thank you for that. Is there anybody here today you'd say, I don't know that if I died today, I'd be on my way to heaven. I'm not sure. You just raise your hand real quick and looking around the room and seeing if there's anybody here that would admit that. Anybody here that would say, I'm not sure that I'm saved, that if I died today, I'd be on my way to heaven. Anybody? Okay, I, I don't see a lot of hands with that, but listen, then you're a Christian. That means you're a child of God. If you, by your own admission today, is there some area of your life you say, I need to give it to the Lord? Would you just really quick with a raise of hands say, I need to give this to the Lord? I'm holding on to something that he needs. I'm looking around the room, there's hands all over. There's hands all over, thank you. So you need to give something to the Lord. You need to submit to the sovereign, trust what he has spoken, and just let him do the rest. Is there something like that in your life? If there is, then today's the day to submit to the sovereign. I'm telling you, if you want rest, if you want relief, today's the day. Let's stand. I'll pray. And the invitation is open. As God is leading you, why don't you take a moment to respond this morning as he's led you. Father, we, we come to you and submit to you this morning and ask that you would work in a mighty way in our lives, Lord. Those, those things we're holding on to, Lord, we think we can control and we can't. If we would submit to the sovereign, we'd find relief and rest. Lord, no, never regret, only relief and rest. So God, have your will and way work in us as you see fit. Help us to be submissive, even right now, submissive to the sovereign. In Jesus' name, amen. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.